Tim, and you're listening to the New Life at Home podcast. My guests this week are Adrian and Jackie Carswell. Adrian and Jackie are both in the Air Force and have lots to share from their experience of military life. Adrian and Jackie Carswell, welcome to the podcast for this week. Fantastic to chat with you. Thanks, Tim. No worries. You're going to chat to us about military life. We're going to start by uh, talking about life in the Air Force for you guys generally, and then uh, you've got some thoughts and some insights into military identity. Adrian, starting with you, what's your history in the military? Well, I've been in the military for 35 years, just over 35 years. I joined straight out of high school uh, at the age of 17. Um, so that's been, I guess, the journey. It's been uh, more than two thirds of my life been in the military. Yeah, what about you, Jackie? Uh, well, I didn't join the Air Force until I was in my third year at uni and I, um, my parents uh, split up in my year 12 year. So I went out and got a job with the Commonwealth Bank. Um, was miserable in that for uh, the time that I spent there and my mum suggested that I should go to uni. So I went to uni to do teaching and then saw that being in a school my whole career wasn't necessarily going to fulfil my, I suppose, career type goal. So then um, I joined the Air Force in my third year at uni in 1990. So I'm about to hit my 30 year mark in October. And so what does it look like? being in the Air Force? What's day-to-day life like? Well, I mean, I, I work in an office, uh, yep. like many other people. Uh, at the moment, with COVID, obviously I'm spending about half my life uh, working from home. Um, but my, my life, because I'm, uh, I'm an engineer through training, and yep. my role is really in management, uh, my day is filled with um, email meetings, uh, telephone calls, um, those yep. sorts of things. So. Um, it's not much different to many other probably white collar workers. Yeah. Um, there are some things about the military that are uh, a little bit different in terms of, you know, you wear a uniform. Yeah. There's probably some expectations uh, on you in terms of behavior and fitness and appearance uh, mm-hmm. and those sorts of things. Uh, but in many respects, uh, and I may have been institutionalized uh, by 35 years of military life, but it seems very normal and not that okay. much different to many other people. Um, you know, I've had, um, I think 16 or 17 different jobs since I, since I graduated university. So every couple of years you change jobs. Mm. Uh, and so some of those jobs have been in, directly involved with aircraft maintenance, yep. um, going on deployments um, and that sort of mm. thing. So being, I guess, towards the front line of Air Force and military, but certainly as you get uh, more senior, you get older, you move towards the back <laughs> of, the, back of uh, uh, the line in terms of support. Okay, thanks Adrian. What about you Jackie? What's day-to-day life look like for you? Um, well, I'm currently out at Western Creek at the Australian Defence College where we, it's like a senior um, senior school. So ADFA's the junior school, uh, Western yep. Creek's the senior school. But in the last um, 10 years, uh, very similar to Adrian um, in terms of uh, office-based work. But over my career, uh, because I trained as a high school maths and science teacher, I've done a bit of teaching. Just only a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to spend one year working in Parliament House as the defence advisor. So that really helped me uh, broaden my skill set in terms of not just being a training and education type person. Yeah, wow. I mean, there is, you know, during your junior career when you're at the at the flight line, it is fantastic because you can smell 
<laughs> yeah, smell yeah, the fumes. Smell the fumes. You can hear the rumble of the uh, the aircraft. You can. Uh, it's, like a, it's it's a fantastic experience. Mm. Um, Obviously, uh, with military life that comes with moving around a bit, you guys have been in Canberra for a little while now, a few years. What's been what's been a joy in moving around? What's been hard about it? So what's hard about moving is that you do um, break relationships or relationships to do um, sometimes just fall away and you have to form new relationships. And I think forming deep friendships does take time. Mm. Um, so that is uh, something that is a, a bit hard about uh, moving uh, every so often. But it, it also has let us see you know, all parts of the world and all parts of Australia, um, which has been um, fantastic. Um, and I think that when I think of the churches we've, we've gone to, churches of many different denominations uh, as we've moved mm. around, it's been really uh, wonderful. So I think that you know, God's put us in places which have been good for us uh, and been able mm. to grow uh, and learn and develop through that. And that's a really great way to form new friendships as well because you do have a instant connection um, with other Christians. Yeah, uh, I think it's an awesome opportunity to spring clean every three <laughs> or so years. You do get... Yeah, the, the, get rid of some stuff. Yeah, yeah. You, you do get uh, the opportunity to do that. Um, yeah, there are frustrations, you know, having to find... Especially when, well, when it's just you or just the two of you, mm. it's less stressful because, you know, the military looks after our medical and our dental and those sorts of things. But when once you've got children and then you're having to find doctors and mm. dentists and, and um, sporting clubs and all those sorts of things, um, it just, I suppose it just creates a, a list of things that need to get done. But, but I... I think that the moving around once we've had kids has provided that opportunity to build some level of resilience in them. Mm. They found it hard as they've got older Mm. to move because friendships become more Mm. um, important, I think, as kids get older. But our time um, in America, that was just just so exciting. The, The whole concept of going and then living over there um, hmm. was very exciting. And coming home from there was probably the hardest move we've ever made. Because yeah. I think because there was more of a... If you move from, say, Newcastle to Canberra or Canberra to Adelaide, you're like, oh, well, I'll see those people again. But if you're leaving America and you're like, you know, there's some people here I may never, ever see again. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, you've both got uh, some thoughts on identity uh, in the military, yeah, your experience in the Air Force, you've seen how uh, it shapes identity. How does being in the military shape your identity? And, and what is military identity, I guess? Um, well, I think, you know, you wear a uniform. Yep. Um, and so you do stand out because of that. Um, it's a uniform that has a rank on it. Uh, and that gives you a certain position in the organisation uh, and it, it then determines how people deal with you and interact with you. Uh, and the Air Force is, uh, and the military generally, um, very much does stress the point about um, building a, a culture, having a culture and having an identity. For example, um, with the current uh, COVID-19 crisis, one of the consistent messages from the top of the, the military is 
that we expect all military members to be examples in the community. Yeah, exemplars, yeah. Mm. Um, in terms of their behaviour uh, in terms of and, and in terms of compliance. Um, and you would expect that if you were not, that that would have ramifications for your future career uh, in the military. Mm. Uh, because there are sections of the uh, Defence Force Discipline Act which yeah. allow them to take action um, if you if, if you take actions which are not in line with um, their expectations of being examples. Um, so that's one part of being uh, identity. That's probably one thing um, mm. that, that we didn't point out earlier about being in the military is we're subject to civilian law and military law. Yeah, so I think so because of you know, your role and the training you're given, Air Force gives you, um, typically lays out very clearly what, you're, what they expect from you. And so you, you do have a sort of a work identity where you're put into a position and it's with, given um, as, a, as um, an engineer, you know, I'm an, I'm an officer, so I am um, given certain responsibilities uh, as an officer and it is made very clear through your training and through the regimented way that the military tends to do things um, what is expected of you uh, as mm. an officer and, a, and as a leader. So that also forms uh, part of your identity that not only is it clear to you, but it, it should, it's also clear to those that you relate to. Mm. Um, and I think when you're in the civilian world and you're wearing a uniform, I think there are um, expectations on you. Um, if some people see you in uniform, they're expecting you to behave in a certain way and they would look to you in situations. There was an occasion when I was picking uh, the, the kids up from school when we were in Adelaide um, and I was in what would commonly be seen as an army uniform. It was the de destructive pattern uniform. Um, we've now, Air Force has now gone to a blue version of that but previous to that we would wear what, yeah, what people would see as army but we'd have an Air Force um, patch on. And I was um, crossing the traffic lights, it was like pedestrian traffic lights across to the school from the shops and three kids decided not to wait for the lights and they dashed across the road and a car had to come to a screaming halt to not hit them mm. and at that very point in time I felt that if something had happened people would have looked at me because I was wearing a uniform and gone what are you going to do about it and I was thinking to myself man I'm not current in, in CPR I'm not current in first aid <laughs> what, what am I going to do <laughs> and I and yeah other than being fearful because I saw these kids almost get hit, I was mm. also, there was an extra level of fear that, um, that I might have, I've, you know, I might have had to do something. So do you feel that extra sense of responsibility yeah. and yeah. Um, civic duty and... Yeah, you are very clear because you're out wearing a uniform in public, you're, yeah. representing, you're representing the Air Force, you're representing the military. Yeah. And it's very obvious that you are, and so your behaviour needs to match that. Uh, and if it's not... Um, mm. that then reflects upon the organisation you belong to. Mm. What about Air Force identity? So I'm guessing mm. there is there's some differences between how people in the Air Force think about themselves, people in the Army mm. think about themselves, how people in the Navy think about themselves. Have you got any thoughts on those differences? Or Well, there's, uh, a, there's a saying, isn't there? The Navy navigate by the stars, the Army sleep under the stars and the air force stay in hotels by the stars <laughs> that's that that is a saying that air force doesn't use it's what navy and, <laughs> navy and army use as a way of obviously just that yeah. 
that one up in themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. just so, that competition that's between the services. Yes. Yeah. So Air Force has somewhat less of a warrior culture because okay. we, um, you know, the number of people that are actually mm-hmm. involved with fighting uh, is very small. It might be around about if you, even if, if they're ground defence people as well as our air operational people, um, pilots and mission operators and so on, that's only around the couple of thousand people all up. The other 12,000 people in the Air Force aren't doing that. Mm. Um, and so we have less of a warrior culture and we have a very, I'm speaking as an engineer, but we do a very technocratic culture. You know, mm. We've got, to, in an, an organisation of 14,000, um, we've got over a thousand engineers. Mm. We've got more than three and a half thousand technicians. So it is a very mm. technically oriented uh, organisation um, yeah. and it's, it's more normal in terms of civilian life because it means that we're more sometimes linked to our profession as engineers mm. or as educators uh, or as pilots versus being uh, part of a very tight team um, mm. that's going into battle, which is sort of what Army and Navy are more like that. Yeah. And it does affect... Um, their culture and the way that they relate to one another. Air Force is um, more, somewhat more egalitarian. You know, our Chief of Air Force signs off all his messages to the whole of Air Force as Mel, mm. not as Air Vice Marshal Hopfield. So, you know, there is a, a different um, culture in Air Force because of that. Mm. Uh, so there's some great thoughts, interesting, interesting observations that you've made about identity uh, in the military, but what about when you retire? You know, you've been mm. part of military life for however long, um, got used to the way things work and, and have been trained to think about yourself and the group you're in a certain mm. way. What, what are some of the challenges people face when they retire? Well, certainly you do see a loss of identity and a loss of um, that's all those support mechanisms because the, the military is very uh, paternalistic provides, you know, medical, provides housing, provides mm. uh, options for on-base accommodation and meals and all those sorts of things. Some people, when they leave, they have to look after all those things themselves and it's a huge shock to the system. Mm. Uh, so some people really struggle with that. Um, mm. and, and there's that loss of um, being part of a team because you do work typically with a, with a whole group of people who are highly motivated we're all pursuing uh, a goal that we think is, is important. Yes, so that, that driven, single-minded focus. Yep. So the, the military is good at laying out strategies and visions and objectives. Um, and so you, know, you, you are part mm. of a team achieving things together. And you um, understand your, your role or your part in it. Mm. Um, one of the things that I got to experience that wasn't necessarily pleasant about my time in Parliament House was an inquiry that uh, the committee I was working with was doing into transition um, from the ADF because there was it seems a lot of problems especially since our response to 9-11 where um, a lot of people suffered um, mental health issues Mm. and when you're considered no longer healthy enough mentally to be in the service you you um, you were basically discharged and for someone who, um, for the younger people, say for instance, you're in six to ten years and your plan in the back of your mind is probably to serve 20 and all of a sudden mm. you, have to, you've, you, know, you have to leave. Where's your purpose? Where's your belonging? Yeah. Um, 
and I wrote, I read a number of submissions from individuals and who told their stories about what they had to undergo, and um, and in all my reading, other than how poorly humans can treat other humans at times, the absence of hope, which the gospel provides, seems to be a key. Uh, I think a key reason why people really do struggle yeah. um, when they when they get out because they have this purpose and all of a sudden this purpose is not there and if they don't have Christ then at least if, if you've got Christ you've got you know you've got yeah something to, he underpins yes mm. like if you've got Christ as your primary the primary shaper of your yes. identity and who you are, yeah. then the military identity comes under that. And yes, because that uh, underpins your value as a person. Um, so, yeah. you know, if you're a member of the Air Force, you, you automatically engender an amount of respect from the community and uh, so on. And you, so there's, there's that, you are, as a person, you're valued. Now, as a Christian, we're valued by Christ. Um, but if you don't have that and you leave the military, you're just another ordinary person um, that no, nobody may care about. And so I think that would be hard. It's certainly something that I'm, I'm facing because I have been told that at the end of next year, most likely at the end of next year, I'll be retrenched from Air Force. Retrenched? That's, so, that sounds yeah. so like... Oh. Well, they don't, they don't call it retrenchment. Retired. They call, Retired. They, yeah. off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you know, that's something that I've been thinking about, obviously, since I was yeah. told that. And um, and I have been too thinking, what am I going to do with him if he's not working? Yeah. yeah. So it, it, the idea is that it, 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 it is a sense of up or out. So if you're not going to get promoted any yeah. any higher, then if you stay, then you're stopping new talent coming through. Mm. Um, and so you, you're guaranteed two jobs at rank, typically at my rank. Mm. Um, I'm in my second job. I've been given an extra uh, year in that job. Um, so that takes me to six years in rank, um, and they've indicated that they'll probably ask me to leave at the end of next year, and that is okay. that is causing me to think about what am I going to do, what um, what value will I provide? So some of those questions that, and so I think I will I think I will find retirement um, very um, I think I find it hard. Yep. Yeah, how how have you been? How are you approaching it? What what is coming to mind for you? What what are you planning? What are you thinking? You're not sure yet, or no, I'm not sure. <laughs> it is still some way off, but I have mm. been thinking: um, Do I want to work full time? You know, yeah. outside of the military, do I want to look for reserve work um, and just yeah. work um, a bit of part time through doing some reserve work? Um, Which is what or, Jim Lewis does. So yeah, another member of our Jim, congregation. Yeah. 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 Or, or do I want to just stop work? Hmm. And I, yeah. I'm not. I think whilst I will find it difficult to adjust, I think um, also I guess I'll be looking for God to see mm. what doors and opportunities He opens because yeah, um, there might be opportunities to do something with the church or something like that that yeah uh, are not obvious to me right at this point in time. But but will become but, clearer. But, but will become clearer as you know as. Um, as time goes yeah. on, so God, God has been extremely um, good to us. This time of year is always quite stressful. If you're on the list to leave your current job and move to an, a new yeah, job, okay. and so we've always taken um, the idea that um, 
God is in control and therefore if God wants us to move, then we'll move. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the way that God continues to use you and how he might um, think about your retirement, Adrian, and yeah. how God might use you in that, in that time. Thanks so much, Adrian and Jackie, for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Thanks Jim. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of New Life at Home with Adrian and Jackie Carswell. Next week on the podcast, I'll be chatting with Mike Adams. He was due to come on this week, but unfortunately he was unwell. At New Life, we have a partnership with Goulburn Presbyterian and Mike is the pastor there. And Mike's gonna come on and share about how his family have settled into life in Goulburn and a bit about what ministry has looked like for them.